With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I don't know if anybody knows what the sounds of over 100,000 souls dying sounds like, but if you haven't heard the sound before, this is how it sounds. The Detroit Red Wings will be selecting fourth in the 2021 NHL Entry Draft. Hi, my name is Jordan. Welcome to the Stickblade Podcast. Uh, We are a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast. We cover all things Blackhawks, all things Red Wings. On tonight's show, I'm going to be joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Nickel Page, and Tim Stampanato. A couple pieces of news to go on for tonight. The big one, obviously, the NHL entry draft lottery odds just came out. Everybody except for the first overall pick is decided. And we're going to jump into that in just a minute. Um, Wingsland, not much to talk about aside from the fact that Ken Holland is getting inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. On the Hawks side, Marion Hosa, as well as just the idea of is it time for the Hawks to retire the Indian crest for their logo. Um, aside from that, though, I don't believe there's anything else. How are you guys doing tonight, fellas? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> my my deepest condolences, truly, for your loss in these trying times. Whiskey or bleach? Can't decide. Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? Call it a good old-fashioned death. That was a Tuesday night for me back in college. Let's do this. I mean, I'm pretty excited. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Hawks have a chance. Hawks have a chance. They can I either go you, on a run. I hope you guys win your series. I mean, yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Because that Edmonton might have a chance at it, and God knows they'll screw that up somehow. I hate it. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> have you guys seen uh, Talladega Nights? By chance? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be like that scene where he's in the, uh, the hospital and he's talking to uh, one of the guys in his crew. He just says, "I hope you win your series. I hope you win your series and go all to the semifinals and get eliminated so that you can feel the taste of lost when I draft Lafreniere." <laughs> <laughs> and then stab himself in the leg with a steak knife. Yeah. Right. No, uh, no, it's just. Are we talking about this now, or are we saving it for later? Oh, we're going right into it. We, we can save this one for later. I just... Oh. Oh. <laughs> Have you I'm ever been so angry you just can't do anything but laugh? I can't even laugh. I'm just so angry. Like, I've been mad about, you know, the Detroit Lions the last time we were in the playoffs, where they called pass interference in the Cowboys, but then decided, oh no, we're going to pick up the flag and cost us the game for our first playoff win in decades but you know this is just another level with the draft lottery and i i i i know this is a family friendly podcast so i'm not gonna say the bad words i want to say i'll drop it yeah you got it fuck (laughs) hey if ever there was a time if ever there was a time i hope batman gets really bad food poisoning and has to sit in his toilet for 24 hours piece of shit but, you know, maybe this will be a rallying and bonding moment for Detroit where everyone on the team pulls together and says, we're not getting bailed out. 
It's Detroit Let's, versus the world. Let's take it this year. Let's go and get some real Mighty Ducks vibes going. Let's tank again so we can get that, the fucking last Hughes, brother. The, for the last Hughes. I love it. The last Hughes. Oh, man. This, no, I, no. I honestly feel I, – I would not believe that these words are coming out of my mouth right now. And we're live on air, so I can't take them back. I feel bad for the Detroit Red Wings right now. Jesus. I feel dirty. I feel dirty about that, but I agree. How there's no more deserving team with the number one overall pick than the Red Wings, and they got screwed over. Like the only plus is we have Eiserman, who's a very smart hockey mind. Like look what he did with Tampa with late picks. Oh yeah, as our general manager, and also Eiserman was also the fourth overall pick when we drafted him. That, 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 hey, I see it. I see the parallels. Jordan, did you want to save, save this further discussion for later and then go get back to it? Or I forgot what the approach you wanted to go. I want to save this one for later because I've got some tinfoil hat that I want to put on and it's it's going to be mighty It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> All right, we'll start off with it. We started off with I ran out of tinfoil and now I'm using saran wrap. We'll get back to it though, All right? All right, so... <laughs> There's only really one piece of news to talk about for the Wings this week, and that's the fact that ex-general manager for the Detroit Red Wings, Ken Holland, is going to be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And for anybody that's been following hockey for a while, Ken Holland, I wouldn't say he's responsible for Detroit's success because I think on some level that also just has to do with the fact that he made the right choice on players, but the players also stepped up in a big way. I mean, nobody would have projected, you know, Zetterberg and Datsuk to be what they are. Nobody projected that Nick Lidstrom would be the absolute beast that he was. But overall, I mean, aside from his last years in Detroit, Ken Holland, I think is going to go down as one of the best GMs in hockey, just because of the fact that the Red Wings were the last team to not, miss the playoffs in the salary cap era and that speaks volumes to the quality of moves and decisions that he made um what are your guys's initial thoughts on this do you think that ken holland deserves to uh, deserves oh, to be in or no more, more than enough ken holland is like you said one of the greatest gms of all time the things he did with the red wings drafting players like lidstrom zetterberg datsu guys that went late in the draft um you know building teams to keep us as a challenger for many, many years. Yes, his last couple of years here weren't the best because he was overpaying veterans, guys that shouldn't have been on the team, but just trying to get, you know, keep the people he knew and get veterans in thinking that would help keep our streak alive. But at at the time, it should have just been end the streak and start the rebuild, which is where we currently are now. And unfortunately, the rebuild this year did not go our way. So... But yeah, Ken Holland, more than deserving. I would say just as an outside observer and someone who, you know, again, the Hawks have a serious rivalry more in the past, but even still, the Red Wings were always a threat. There was never a game that you could relax or take off and just like breathe easy when you were playing the Red Wings. And that's a, you're right that it's a lot of, you know, coaching and guys stepping up to the plate, but it's on the GM to continue icing and giving the coach and everyone the tools to ice a complete team and a serious contender and a threat. They were able to work within once the salary cap was established and they were able to mix and match and he was able to do his work 
And yeah, he fell into the same trap that a lot of pretty much all GMs fall into as a dynasty or a, you know, window is closing. But man, he, the tricks and the magic that he was able to pull, keeping enough of a team together and building around people, I'm incredibly impressed by it. He deserves to be in. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ken Holland was, it's going to go down, like as Jordan said, one of the best general managers of all time. The consistency of making the playoffs and all he's, the how he maintained it, it sure, I don't know if he, the, with over the years, I don't know if, I mean, I would call it a dynasty. I know there wasn't like, I don't know, like we look at the Blackhawks and the Penguins as dynasties now, but that was Detroit back in their late 90s, early 2000s. They were just always good and always a pain in the ass to go against. That was mostly Ken Holland's do, doing, whether, whether it's keeping around stars, pulling through the draft. It's just what he's done for the organization is, it's hard to match a uh, resume like that. And, uh, and I mean, I know you caught some bad ends to his time with the Red Wings, but that's going to happen when you win so much and you start to lose those assets that you once always won around. So without mm-hmm. a doubt, Ken Holland deserves to be in. Speaking of other uh, people going to the Hall of Fame, uh, one of the other notables for the two franchises, Marion Hossa going to the Hall of Fame as well. Um, yeah, I love him. One of the best, in my opinion, two-way forwards to ever play the game. Just skilled, big, fast. He basically was a jack-of-all-trades. Like, you just one of those players who you knew what you were getting and what you were getting was awesome. He's a horse. He's he's an absolute monster on the ice. Even near the end of his, you know, his time playing, he was still faster and could burn pretty much any guy on the ice when he really wanted to. I I've never seen somebody so strong on like the forecheck and being able to like pick pockets and whatnot. And it didn't come at the cost of, you know, oh, he's not really a scorer. He's more of a defensive two-way guy. He was still a scorer. He was still a threat anywhere on the ice. And you could almost watch, you could always notice with the Hawks when he was, you know, injured or not on the ice or noticeably when he was traded to Arizona, we played better when he was there. That he his energy what he would will the team to do what he would lead with example on the ice he to me he will go down in history as one of the greatest blackhawks to to play the game 81 is going to be in the rafters soon enough at the united center and eddie olchek described describes him best during the days where hosa played and you know commentary on the game he never seen someone skate as hard without the puck than marion hosa like the way he back-checked, four-checked. Like, he'll skate harder without the puck than he will with the puck and make a better effort defensively. And guys like that, it's rare to come around now. Like, you got solid two-way guys, but Marion Hossa was, I would say, is probably the best two-way player of all time. One of the best, if not. But, yeah, I mean, you see the difference in the Chicago Blackhawks as Hossa retired slash left. And it's just a whole whirlwind. You, you have a guy like that, he could be the heart and soul of a team and carry a line and just do endless amounts of things that get you through the playoffs. And, and so Hosa undoubtedly deserves it. I got a little worried. I was concerned that he might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, just with what some of the beat writers were saying. But I'm glad he got in because nobody deserves it more than him. And it's it's interesting. His You talk about how he's the heart and soul of the team. And we got to watch his mindset. He wasn't a superstar that, as he got older, refused to 
change, you know, change his play style. He, you know, he was aware of his role on the team and he was willing to, hey, if I'm on the third line and I'm taking on more of a mentor role or if I'm supplementing in this secondary scoring now so that other people can be in the top six, if that's my role and if that's what's going to win us games, I'll do it. it he he was willing to be anywhere, uh, anywhere in the lineup. He he wasn't one of those people that had an aura about him where it's like, well, you know, I listen, I'm Marion Hosa. Maybe you didn't know. No, he said, I want to win and I want the team to win. That that's that's a Hall of Fame guy right there. Here's another mind-blowing stat. Hosa, so Hosa's career began in Ottawa at the age. He was in Ottawa from age 19 to 25. He only averaged 17 and a half minutes on, on ice per game. His, and the later his career progressed, he, he was on the ice longer. So he, it, it just seems like he was one of those guys that he was just an iron, he was an iron man. Like he never got tired. He was on the ice for 18 and a half minutes, a minute more than, what he was in Ottawa for his first seven years of his career, and his career high in his highest career, goal total with the Blackhawks was thirty. And then you see him in seasons in Ottawa and Atlanta putting up forty. So like that goes back to the secondary scoring and how he accepted his role. He knew he didn't have to be that forty-five goal scorer anymore. He could play his game. He could dish it off to Taze or Sod or Sharp, whoever he's playing with that night, and he could control the game through his defense and his playmaking. So. Just an unreal talent, and he's going to be. He's an, It's kind of going to be hard to match that game going forward. We haven't filled. We haven't filled that role yet. I mem- I remember there were talks of Sod being like a little Hosa 2.0, but and he's looked a lot better in the last couple seasons with us. But it it's going to be a while before we find somebody that can really fill that void. That's not something you could teach either. No, like, no, it's that not. Two-point game is not something you – it's a mentality. And all these guys coming up, I don't want to uh, dog on them, but you want to go produce points and be in the heart – in the running for heart. and it's what gives you a paycheck. Yeah, and, I mean, many people I, – I can't tell you that there's people out there that, like, say they ro- model their game after Marion Hosa. You guys like – you guys that want to say they want to be the next Patrick Kane, the next Sidney Crosby – Next, Alex Ovechkin. Like, Marion Host is just a hard guy to replicate, and I don't know if it's possible. Well, and it's, it's building on that point. You, you look at even young defensemen coming up now. They're modeling their games after Car- Eric Carlson or Brent Burns. And no one, you, you don't hear a lot of them saying, oh, I model my game after Jalmerson or, you know, Zdeno Char. Like, you don't hear a lot of people saying, I want to be that stay at home defensive defenseman that. You know, doesn't get a lot of flash. That doesn't get a lot of you know calls out during the game. But that's my job. People are driven towards being that more. You know, they're coming. They want that goal scoring, that flash. That's what gets them the money. But man, when you get somebody that comes up with that mindset like a Hosa, that's it. You got somebody that's gonna go to war for you. Yes, sir. And I mean, uh, Marion Hosa is not the only former Hawk that made it in. Doug Wilson also finally got in. Uh, It took him 24 years to finally get into the Hall of Fame. And he actually, if I, let me double check and make sure I'm not uh, just talking out of thin air here. Yep, he's a Norris Trophy winner. And then he also um, is currently the Chicago Blackhawks leader in career goals and points by a defenseman still, which is super impressive to me. Uh, just a 
you know, he's the Sharks GM now. And yeah, I'm thrilled for Doug Wilson. About time, and I'm thrilled for him. He might be one of those guys. I mean, I know I don't know if he could enter it twice, but he might get that builder tag on him soon, one of these days too. The Sharks team he's built. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if I, I mean I would assume you can be in under different categories if you so become. Yeah, I mean it's hard to come by, but I, you would think so. I don't. know. I mean that's really an interesting one. I mean. Do you guys think that there should be Hall of Fame spots for players and Hall of Fame spots for GMs? Or if you're on ice, performance earned you a spot in the Hall of Fame and then your you know management landed you there as well, you should have two spots? Yeah, I think you should be recognized for both. Yeah, because that's totally different skill sets and totally different mindsets. Not, you know, look at Iserman. Uh, his skill as a player obviously is phenomenal and noted, but... You know, say he put, you know, say those lightning teams that he put together, you know, they had become a dynasty and they had, you know, I mean, they're already a perennial cup contender, but if they had a cup or two to their name and then he comes over to Detroit and he builds them up in the next five years or so and they're, you know, off to the races again, that's a whole different skill set. And if he can be rebuilding and, you know, growing these teams, hey, why not be in under that accomplishment as well? Dave Iserman is such a good person that he rebuilt the Detroit Red Wings twice. That's like what the thing's <laughs> going to be going for. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, one other piece of Hawks news, which came up this week, and I appreciate you reminding me before, uh, earlier is there's been some discussion going around just I feel like society in general, but and it's sort of made its way into the hockey world at this point about, you know, things being offensive towards certain either racial and ethnic groups or religious groups or what have you. Um the the conversation basically came up this week, you know, the Blackhawks logo is a logo that is symbolic of a real group of people. And the question sort of came up is their logo due for a change now, given the climate that we're in right now? Um, I'll give my opinion after you guys give yours. Great. Uh, Nick, do you want to go first, or I can jump off with this? Yeah, I'll, I'll start us off. Great. All right, so, I, I, so obviously we're under the times that we are now. Uh, we There's racial injustice going on throughout this world everywhere, and you know I see... I hear those people, I see those people, and I feel bad. Like, no group should be outed or really, uh, prejudiced towards just to due to their ethnic or racial uh, gender, or not gender, sorry, identity. There we go. There's a word, Nick. But Blackhawks have one of the most iconic logos of all time. I know that some people do see it as offensive, and there's a whole bunch of conspiracies that the, this group was bribed off by the Blackhawks and now they're coming to fruition. And I don't know. I, I know what they're saying is just with today's day and age that it might be time for a change. I just don't know if change is going to happen just because of that Indian hat and that sweater. And it, it's always voted best jersey in the NHL. And I mean, people buy the jersey just because they like the logo and like they like what's going on with the the way it looks, it's tough to change it. I mean, it's tough. You got the Washington Redskins going, going under the same thing. I think that's more of an offensive name, though, than the Blackhawks, because recognizing a chief. So 
I mean, I understand where people are coming from, but I don't know how I see a change coming anytime soon. Because before we started the podcast, uh, Nick brought up a really good article from The Athletic that basically talked about this question of, is it time? And I think it's definitely time that we start having this conversation. I think that regardless of where anyone stands on it, we need to start having this conversation. Uh, there's again, you brought up the the Washington Washington's football team. You know, it, it's a straight up racial slur, and like it boggles my mind that that is still allowed. Uh, I don't know how that's still there. And you look at like this the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> yeah, ain't that American? Yeah. And then you, but you look at the Cleveland Indians where they, at least it seems like they're starting to phase out the offensive caricature of the, the Native American They're So they've got that. The saving grace for the Blackhawks has always been, it's not an offensive caricature logo. And we have had historically pretty good relations with the, the Native American tribes and like the Trickster Cultural Center. But what's interesting, and it's brought up in this article, is how divided the Native American, the indigenous people's communities are on this. Some some groups absolutely think that it's totally fine and there's a lot of educating going on because of it. And some groups think, hey, I'm not cool with any m mascot being used of an oppressed or indigenous people. I... I believe that it's a matter of when we get rid of the logo and not if. I, I I think that we're seeing that shift, and I think it is a matter of time before we address the fact that even when it's done respectfully with educating and whatnot, we're still using the likeness and images of historically oppressed peoples, and that that doesn't quite sit right no matter how respectful it is um i would like to see if they do keep it for you know however long i'd like to see more educating i'd like to see a section in the united center dedicated to uh that and educating and whatnot i saw i don't know if you've seen it there's a like there's a logo that somebody did of the blackhawks logo and instead of the the indian head it's uh, an actual hawk, a black hawk, and the feathers are like the multicolored feathers, and it's a really cool logo, actually. I, I've always really liked it. Uh, I see us moving something to that. I mean, look at Tommy Hawk. We He's a literal bird now. Yeah, and, and, it's, yeah. and it's fantastic. Yeah. Like the, Everyone love loves Tommy Hawk. In, he's a bird. That's... I think that we have to have the start having the honest conversation and looking at where we're going. And yeah, I think it's a matter of sooner or later we are going to phase out the the Indian head just just because it's time. As much hey, I love I love the Blackhawks sweater. I've got a couple of them, but I'll also be one of the ones first in line to get the new one. It's not something that's gonna change my opinion about the team. Like they, I love the God, team. No. And, yeah, and it's if it happens, and it's a, let me clarify to start with this. Got shot. All appreciation goes to Scott Powers for starting this conversation. Seriously, it was a well-written article. 
a lot of key points addressed, a lot of research done in it. So, and it was a conversation that needed to be had. And, you know, this is how we start talking about things. This is how we meet in the middle or phase out or it, the more research we go behind everything and fans will understand more be like okay maybe it is time to part ways it's because you get some of these fans like oh no don't get rid of it don't get rid of it i mean it's a conversation we need to have because uh it's time to start taking in everybody's opinions and not just you know be america and do what we want because as- and we have and we have seen a decrease, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you were seeing a bunch of fans coming into United Center with like headdresses on and, you know, Native American garb and like face paint. And it's like, yo, that's, yo, that's really not okay. Like, you, you can't, that's super bad. Uh, and we're, we're not seeing that. And you might get one or two people here or there that are, that are doing it, which is unacceptable in its own right. But, you're not seeing that throughout the games. You know, the last time I was at a Hawks game, I don't think I saw any, which is we're getting, we're moving forward right. I just think there needs to be more. If the Hawks choose to keep that, it's got to coincide with more education, more clarity, uh, and more of a presence with the Native American community. But, you know, like I said, I'm, all for shifting the mascot over so we're not using the likeness of an oppressed people. Yeah, like I went to Central Michigan University and we were the Chippewas because we were on the Saginaw Chippewa like um, reservation land. And we didn't have any type of Native American mascot logo or anything. Our logo was just a C. And we did all we could to respect the tribe and do everything we could to um we didn't have chance where we we're like doing a tomahawk axe or anything like that like you just have to be respectful and i know illinois so the fighting illini had issues some years ago with like fans wearing headdresses or something like that yeah. and that's just not something people should be doing those are reserved for you know chiefs and valued members of tribal community so just have to be respectful about it like Yes, the Redskins, that definitely needs to change. Blackhawks. It needs to change yesterday. Yeah, so it's just, it's going to be interesting. I mean, with everything going on, with all the movements happening, uh, Black Lives Matter, with other people stepping up, with the speaking out, everything, the Native Americans were the first ones here, and we've treated them like shit forever. And things need to change, because they don't deserve any of that. Yeah, I mean, Taze even mentioned in his uh, post about Black Lives Matter and the protests a couple weeks ago, he specifically, you know, talked about indigenous peoples. And I know he was probably more referring to the history of Canada with in the indigenous peoples there, but also very much with America. And I'm sure that there's an aware, a heightened awareness with him wearing the the Indian head sweater about how far we need to go with when it comes to relations and understanding with indigenous peoples. I feel like that's a thing, right? Like you look at, like you said, you know, the crowds at the United center, for example, a lot of the stuff like the headdresses have gone away and a lot of it more is now just strictly people wearing, you know, like the jerseys or the t-shirts or what have you. 
And I feel like that's a step in the right direction. And also the fact that, you know, it seems like for the most part, there are good relations between the club and the local tribes. And I almost feel like it should be one of those things where they talk to the surrounding tribes and if the surrounding uh, tribes basically come together as one group and say, we want it changed, that's when the change should happen. Because, I mean, I it bugs me that I can't remember where I was reading that, but somebody posted this interview with a couple of them and they said that they actually thought it was an honor that the fact that you know somebody wanted to use their likeness to represent them because they thought that they were saying like hey they were fierce people they were you know they were like a group of people that you want to represent you like they felt honored by it in that way Mm -hmm. and that's what goes back to how divided it is and i think one of the issues sometimes that we fall into is like well there are you know there's indigenous peoples and native americans and whatnot that are cool with it but it's about it's all individual you know everyone is their own individual thought and it's you're right there's an interesting thing of we have there has to be a moment where they get to you know whoever whoever is in charge of it you know whoever the delegates are or whatever say hey it's time to switch this over or hey this is we're cool with you keeping this but X, Y, and Z have to happen. Uh, it's going to be a long discussion, and I, I'm genuinely interested to see how it goes. And I just hope that whatever happens, it's done. It's done right. That it's done respectfully, and that everything's in line. Okay. Well, if we don't have anything else to talk about, we'll jump into what's probably going to be the meat and potatoes of this podcast for the wings. Um, we touched on it earlier, but I'm going to reiterate it again. So the NHL draft lottery happened tonight, and Detroit went in with, I believe it was an 18.5% chance of getting first, if I remember yep. correctly. 18.5. Uh, I think Ottawa co- combined had like 20 point something, Almost basically like almost a 30% chance. I can't remember the exact percentage because I'm not an Ottawa Senators fan, thank the Lord. But Mm. anyway, so basically the standings shook out where neither Detroit nor Ottawa is going to get the first overall pick this year. And David, you talked about it earlier, and it's something I've always been upset with the draft lottery for. Detroit has been screwed over time and time again with the draft lottery. We've never jumped up. We've never got to take that generate, well, quote unquote, generational talent from the draft. Detroit has had to constantly find those players deep, like Datsuk, like Zetterberg, like Lidstrom, who nobody else was taking. And the one year that they seemed like they were due for it, they got knocked all the way from first because they finished dead last in the standings 39 points 39 points to fourth place in the entry draft i want to wait to put the tinfoil hat on (laughs) because it's going to be a winded speech so somebody else chime in before i get off the rails (laughs) so it's just absolutely ridiculous um like I was telling you guys before we started recording, the second Batman had that little video conference about what they were going to do in terms of a playoff tournament and having the play-in teams 
and then talking about, you know, those teams would be eligible for the draft lottery. I immediately knew when he said, oh, phase two will be if one of those teams makes top three, we'll do a phase two lottery to determine that. I'm like, yep. So they're going to get number one and we're going to get bumped to number four. And it's just I hated that I was going to be right. And I knew I was right. And the second we got four, I knew exactly what was going to happen. It could have been Kings and Ottawa flipped for two and three, but I knew who was going to get number one. Um, and like Jordan was saying, yeah, I said it earlier. Historically, the Red Wings have the most dropped draft positions than any team in history. And if that doesn't screen Detroit versus everybody, a whole lot can still scream it if you've seen Detroit sports history. But that <laughs> definitely shows it. So... Yeah, tinfoil hat. The draft lottery is rigged. Um, we don't get to see them pull the balls out or anything like that. It's been behind closed doors. That's doesn't scream fairness to me. But yeah, that's the thing for me, which was kind of what really pissed me off so much about this draft lottery in particular. The NHL has always came out when it comes to the draft lottery and not showing you know the balls getting drawn in front of a live audience. And their reasoning has always been, well, the problem is if we show those top three picks, it kills all hype for who finally gets selected first overall. But if that's truly the case, right, the NHL entry draft is legitimately the biggest night in hockey. That's when entire franchises' futures change. When you're going to have a process that leads up to that, you need to have full transparency with fans. This process that they have right now of getting all the GMs in a private room somewhere, locking them in for, I believe it's either an hour or two hours, the balls get drawn in front of them. They can't leave except to use the bathroom, and even then they get escorted by security so they can't get on their phones and you know leak out the results. And then we don't even see the drawing take place until a couple months after. The NHL wonders why people have tinfoil hats when it comes to the draft lottery. This is why. This is the one year they could have just said, you know what? We've lost a lot of revenue due to games. So we're going to broadcast the actual drawing of the balls live to prove to people that we don't rig the NHL draft. This was their chance to be completely transparent. Completely transparent. And they utterly blew it. There's what, no reason. But what did they do instead? They said, oh, the revenue's bad. Well, we're going to have these playing teams. Let's make it more exciting for these playoff games by giving one of them the first overall pick chance. And let me just say, it's going to be great for hype and revenue when Sidney Crosby has a shiny new uh, first overall pick left wing on his wing. Or Kirby Doc, it's his future <laughs> linemate for his franchise hey we've got a 12.5 percent chance if we lose our play-in round which i hope we don't but if or, we do hey or Mont or montreal gets their hometown hero i do believe it's going to be montreal if i put yeah. my conspiracy hat on it's just All perfect right, it's, it's them it's them going it's going to your point jordan about the lottery balls i would think that's more it would be more electric to show live rather than these oh, cards oh, oh i love it have you it's ever been insane. to a bingo hall have you yeah, ever watched like the lotto numbers, the Mega Millions, like on TV when they had the balls? I'm like, this is exciting. I want to see these balls come out. Like, come on, that's exciting. More than exciting than 
then keeping it hidden from us and then saying, oh, here, here here's the results that we, we totally didn't fabricate. It, it can doesn't... you imagine seeing like a logo? Like say if there's a logo on the ball and can you imagine oh. just seeing like the logo and jumbling everywhere and then just one gets sucked up and you just gasp your breath and be like, holy... Right? And you see You're just electric. enough where it's like, it's, it's red. Oh my God, it's red. It could be any of us, I guess. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. It's ridiculous. And the I league doesn't help itself, given how many years conspiracies have been calling that it's rigged. Sin- you know, Sidney Crosby is one of the ones that immediately comes to mind for me. You'd think that they would try to do a little bit more to alleviate that. And like, like I mentioned at one point, if this ever came out that there was actual confirmation that it was rigged, the credibility and the damage that would do to the league would be tremendous. So there's a part of me that takes off the conspiracy hat and says, that's a lot of bad luck, friends. I wish you better next year. But boy, there's a there's a piece of me that it won't go away, and I'm right there with you in the conspiracies. But let's be honest. it's It's got to be rigged. Like... There's no doubt about it. Why would they hide it all and do it like behind closed doors and not show it to fans? And it's it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, you said Sidney Crosby. Look back at the 2005 draft. Like, that was real weird and fishy. Yeah. And another online. It's an, it, that was another online draft. Mm-hmm. Another virtual oh, draft. Oh my! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna. I, I said history repeats itself before the show. And my mind's kind of running now because I mentioned before the show, Blackhawks drafted the first piece of their future dynasty, Jonathan Tays, third overall. They took Kirby Doc third overall last season. A year later, Blackhawks drafted Patrick Kane first overall, and now it's a team to be decided for the first overall pick. If history repeats itself and the Hawks get Lafreniere, which, I mean, I don't know what I want right now. I don't know if I want to win. I don't know if I want to lose. But this is gonna, it's going to be electric. Here's the thing. I've already made up my mind. We're either winning the cup or we're winning Lafreniere. E- e- either way, that's it, he's baby. Gonna, that's the Hawks. He, he's going to Montreal just to fulfill the prophecy of the rigness. Oh, man. I mean, Montreal does need a boost. I, I feel bad for him sometimes. But to be fair, Montreal also kind of did this to itself. I mean... Oh, yeah, definitely. You look at the contract situation in Montreal and like, for example, what was it two years ago? Like they skipped on Sedina and took Kotkaniemi instead, I believe. Correct? Yes. So they did that. They signed the biggest goalie contract in the league at the time in Carey Price. They haven't really done themselves any favors in terms of accumulating future assets for players that were going to walk. I mean, although counterpoint to that with with Carey Price, you've got who at the time was the best goalie in the world who can still turn it on. Do you let him walk or do you do you assign him to what he wants? I mean, he kept he kept that team. He basically did a Lundquist and kept that team going. I don't I don't know what you do because you certainly can't let the face of your franchise at that time walk. It's a lose-lose situation. Uh, and with uh, 
passing up on Zadina, I can see the mindset they needed. They needed a true center, someone that was projected to be a true first line center. And so I can understand drafting for positional need when you don't think there's much of a difference between the players overall. I get their mindset there, and there's no reason to not believe that in the next couple of years, uh, Kotkaniemi will not grow into that position. The, the The price contract is rough, but so is the Bobrovsky contract. Uh, you know, paying 10 mil for a goalie sucks. But again, do you let your face walk? Oh, I mean, the funny thing is, though, gets all this uh this credit or i mean he gets his rightful uh critiques and roast or whatever you want to call it towards him but uh he is one of the only people that actually or he fleeced stan bowman somehow but uh that <laughs> an ultrade yeah boy we could use the yeah i mean that's that's a good piece a, he got to know for the husk of dale weiss and fleischman yeah that was uh but yeah i mean I, I understand why, like, going back to the Tim Tim's point, you got to pay your franchise guy. You don't let him walk. It's hard to do. So, in your guys' minds, I mean, Detroit is out of the top three, which sucks. And you're, we're going to have, basically, basically, we're going to have a team that, if we're being honest, probably doesn't need a generational talent right now. Could you imagine... Just how ridiculously loaded Tampa Bay or Washington would be if they picked up Alexis Lafreniere. I'll be so mad. Oh, no, Tampa Bay can't. Like, oh yeah, because their first round is gone. Not even because of that. They're actually in the playoffs. Well, that's right. And so is Washington. Uh, are they? Oh yeah, because they're not in the play-in rounds. It's it's only people in the play-in rounds that have a shot. So we are safe there. So the play-in rounds. Going to that, a team like Toronto has a chance at them, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Montreal, New York Islanders, Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, New York Rangers. Uh, that's on the eastern side. Western side would be the Flames, the Jets, the Oilers, the Blackhawks, the Canucks, the Wild, the Predators, and the Coyotes. If he goes to Edmonton, just imagine McDavid, Lafreniere forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But you want to talk about rigged. If Edmonton gets another goddamn number one overall pick... But if they still get another first overall pick and still can't get a cup, that's that's going to be some rough looks. Just just burn the franchise down at that point. Hey, my my money's on. He's going to Carolina, and that is enough that it'll entice the Jack Eichel trade, and Eichel watch is going to happen, and we're going to see Jack Eichel go over to the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, that's another piece of news that we uh, might want to cover with the Buffalo meltdown. We've, oh man. But uh, yeah, so Lafreniere has 16 possible teams he can still end up on right now. That I believe is real. the winner of the lottery, or not, I mean, not, there's no winner right now, but it was Team D. And notable is that they only had a 3% chance of getting that number one overall pick. How does that feel for Detroit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It feels like a drink, a cup of bleach. Man, you guys, you guys need to have a, gla- a nice glass of whiskey or something tonight. I have, I have a new one that I got for Father's Day. I might pour myself some. Ooh, good choice, good choice. Maker's Mark Cask Strength. Excellent. Ooh, you're gonna have that'll 110 proof. 
Yeah, just drink the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned it. Uh, it's just, I don't even know who we picked now. Like, top three was perfectly laid out. I don't know. Yeah, who yeah we picked. should probably get into that. Though. Yeah, who do you pick? I hope to God someone passes on Tim Stutzel. I. It's possible. I've watched I every know. game of the World Juniors last year. Aside from Moritz Sider, he was the best player from Team Germany, and it wasn't even close. I I just don't see how. Philip Zadina, the magic can happen twice. Yeah, I mean, all you need is one person to go off, uh, go off board and say, "I know what I want," and it's this person. Let's see. Number okay. one is definitely Lafreniere. The Kings. Do the what do the Kings need? And then what does Ottawa need? Ottawa's Ottawa getting literally anything. I was getting, but Ottawa's probably going to get Drysdale too with their number five pick if we don't take him four. It, it really all depends on Ottawa who they value more over either Perfetti or Stutzel. That's yeah, what it's going to come down to. Because the Kings would, I mean, it makes sense for the Kings to get Byfield. They could use well, replace Kopitar, really. Yeah, because unless you think that uh, Turcotte can, I don't know. They, I mean, they still need center depth throughout. Regardless. Yeah, if your one and two can be Byfield and Turcott in the next like couple of years, you're looking pretty good. Run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Stutzel's still a possibility. I mean, if Stutzel somehow drops to us, I'll be perfectly fine with it. I want to go to Ottawa's roster right now and look at their centers locked up. I mean, I don't think they have. Boy, you Nick, they're weak everywhere. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> like, if there's, let's go to Ottawa Senators. They got, uh, they got it to Chuck. He's on left wing, though. Now, well, mm, nah, that's it. There you go. Uh, it's going to be a center. I mean, Duclair, left wing. Bobby Ryan still is there. <laughs> still hey, he had, a, he had a big comeback year this year. He did, and he, a great story. Uh, Mikel Bodker, uh, Artem Anizimov's over there. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, uh, party party. It, it's going to be a center, so it's... I mean, Stutzel could play left wing center or right wing. Perfetti's more of a left wing center, so uh, yeah, it's gonna all come down to who they value more over Perfetti or Stutzel. The dream is that they go Perfetti, and then we get Stutzel. There are still teams, and there are still GMs that have that old world mindset that they'll take a Canadian or an American over a German player. Mm-hmm. And you can reap that benefit by taking that German player, who's going to be phenomenal. I hear, uh, I hear Leon Dreisaitl is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he seems to be throwing the curve. I mean, Ottawa's also, and uh, Ottawa shouldn't, but they're also in a position to uh, put up some draft picks and trade for Laf- or trade for that number one overall pick. Would you imagine? Or it's could you see... Uh, top five picks to just get that number one and... Uh, all right, so here's a legit question for you guys. Does Ottawa trade the third and the fifth to pick up the first? I doubt a team's going to give up Lafreniere. But you're going to pick up a, at least a projected first-line winger and probably another first-line winger. I don't so think it's pick- worth it to trade the picks. If I'm, a fir- if I'm the first team first overall, I would take the deal to get the number three and the number five. If the Blackhawks had first overall pick and they were offered the three and the five, you take it. But you pause. Hold on. Hold on, old friend. Pause for a second, because I got, I got some words for that one. 
you look back to the Patrick Kane draft and you say, we'll give you picks three and five for that first overall pick. Who would, who would we have gotten? Who's our computer wizard that can pull up those? <laughs> in, uh, right, what year was Patrick Kane drafted? What was it, 2005? 2007. 2007. So 2007. And Everybody to the Google. Draft. I think it was I Kyle Turris. Kyle Turris and... Uh, Selections. Okay. Um, Kyle Turris, number three, and Carl, Carl Allen, number five. So you're telling me, let's get rid of Patrick Kane to hey, pick hey. up no disrespect to Turris or Alsner, but they ain't Patty Kane. Yeah, but yeah, I guess you're right. Quantity, quantity, and man, but it's tough because then you've got some years where, like, Elias Pettersson was like, uh, or uh, whatever it is. You you never know. You know, Marner was fifth overall. We took Brendan Smith 27. Sucks to be you guys. Oh, man. You showed us. (laughs) Take that, Patrick King. Max Pacioretty with 22. Yeah, he did. Dan Kirk with 14. I mean, drafts are wild cards. You look back at the Nile Yakupov draft. At oh. that point, if somebody had traded first overall for the third and the fifth, whoever got that first overall pick is going to be the laughing stock. Drafts are weird. You don't know what these kids are going to become. It also changes though, because Kane wasn't—he Kane wasn't a unanimous number one overall no, pick. There right? were people that would have taken Van Riemsdyk over him. I mean, really, I mean, Lafreniere is a unanimous number one. So, I mean, things, uh, this year is a different year just because of how deep it is. Look at that draft, I wouldn't even really say it's deep. I know Turris was hyped up. Van Reeves, like, obviously hyped up. Well, I- and maybe maybe it depends on how deep your team is and what position your team's in. If you've already got a franchise, you know, franchise guy or two, maybe you go with picks three and five to round out your team because you've already got some key pieces in place. But if you're looking for that franchise face, you got to go for that first overall. Yeah, you're right. All right, so the first overall is going to be a fringe playoff team, right? According to, you know, what we know yes. right now. Yep. What teams do you guys want to actively see get it? And Nick and Tim, don't say the Blackhawks. That's the obvious answer. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so based off most deserving. Well, like, Okay, so I'll go first. If there was a team that I would say can swoop the first overall pick and I would not be upset about it, my two picks would be either the Carolina Hurricanes or the Columbus Blue Jackets. Those would be the two teams that I would be like, yeah, if they get first overall, I'm not upset about it because they didn't tank to get it. They've tried to be competitive and they need a definitive face of the franchise right now. I'm with you on the Blue Jackets and... Oh, uh, no, not the Wild. <laughs> I'd go Eastern as well. I'd go Blue Jackets. And then, like the Rangers. I mean, Rangers are a nice market. Like Lafreniere. I mean, I know they had just got Kako last year, but. That'd be an interesting top six with Panarin, uh, Lafreniere, Ka- uh, Capo Kako, uh, Mika Zbinejad. Who is their. Second line, is it Ryan's? Is Ryan Strom there now? Ryan Strom. Okay, that's a that's a heck of a top six. I mean, I know the Rangers have a deep prospect list already, but I mean, finished eleven, right? They finished eleven this year, so in that for that uh, seating over there, so uh, it makes they're a deserving team. 
And they're primed with really good young goalies, with Lundqvist running out his time and being a mentor to them. Uh, their blue line is shaping up a little bit. They're, the Rangers are going to be a team to worry about again in, a, like I'd say, two years. That's the thing. I mean, he could be that future piece for them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lafreniere and Panarin. <laughs> That's just going to be dirty. I, I'm i okay with the Canadians getting them. Honestly, I, I think that they don't have... They've got a lot of, like, hardworking guys. They've got a lot... It's almost like the way that Carolina is structured with their forward depth, where it's they've got some really good guys, but they don't have that franchise forward. And Like a blue-collar team. Yeah, it's all, it's just like the Hurricanes in my mind with that one. That's a team that just rallies. It's a blue-collar team. I like that a lot. Uh, having Laugh up there would be really, really good for Montreal. And I don't want to see him go to Toronto. I don't want to see him go to Edmonton. I don't want to see him anywhere in the Central uh, for my own personal selfish reasons. <laughs> hmm. This is the Blackhawks, of course. And I don't want to send the poor kid to Ohio. Congrats, <laughs> <laughs> you're number one overall pick. You get to go to Columbus, Ohio. Have I'm fun. so sorry. Dave, uh, David, how about you? Uh, I could honestly see him being the hometown hero and going to Montreal, even though that team doesn't deserve it after ditching their other hometown hero, P.K. Subban. Truth. Big truth there. Yeah, it was a real stab to their fan base and to him he did so much for that community that's that's mm-hmm. actually, yeah, that's really really frustrating As bob mckenzie said the trade was one for one when i when i saw that trade out like, that's just mean although shea weber's been phenomenal there i'll give shea weber all the credit in the world and pk's out of the downfall now so <laughs> Maybe, I, uh... it's so frustrating because i would love to see he's such a wonderful person maybe it, like Maybe, like, you know how Superman gets his strength from the sun? Maybe PK got his strength from Montreal, from the fans. And by leaving, his strength is diminished. I mean, he's a potential buyout. Uh, not to get off topic, he's a potential no, no. buyout this season. How many years does he have left on his contract? It's a pretty substantial Oh, yeah, he's not buyout. going anywhere anytime soon. And if he, But if he can regain some of his former prowess, at, I think he can still be... Oh, my God, he's jumped around a couple times. He's still on New Jersey, right? New Jersey. Okay, I got nervous for a second. After 2022. So he still got about another two years on it. That's just an expensive buy. Well, unless, unless, friends, are we thinking compliance buyouts? Could be. I mean, if the cap's going to stay around 81.5 for the next three years, like it's projecting, we might be getting compliance buyouts. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a tasty treat? Things would take a complete turn then. That's a different story. Who would you? Uh, yeah, who would you guys use your compliance buyout on if you had one? Advocator. Advocator's oh. the only choice. But I don't even want to do it then. Like I almost want to just ride it out so we can be done being in cap hell. Well, a compliance buyout, we don't have to worry about cap hell. It, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. They're just gone because it's sort of a way to say, hey, we did not project this. Here, because we got a compliance buyout after the 05 lockout, if I recall correctly. Yes, you did. We did. 
It could happen again. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to bring this back around the draft. So, because yeah. you've gotten a little bit off topic. <laughs> Let's go back. Yes. But so, like I said, I'm I'm trying not to wear the tinfoil hat for this one, but God, the NHL is making it so hard not to. It's hard. I mean, they they're very secretive about the way they go about things, uh, especially with the draft. So it's right. They they don't they don't do anyone any favors. They could make this a lot more transparent. And if you were able to see everything, and if you know how everything went down, then you say, okay, I, I guess that's just the way the balls bounce sometimes. But because of the secrecy. I, I get it. I can't fault you for the tinfoil hat. Wear it. No, wear it. Wear it with pride. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's all fixed. Uh, let's say Detroit. I mean, obviously Detroit is fixed. Is going to pick fourth. I can't say let's say they pick fourth because they are at this point. How much do you guys think that the fan base in Detroit is going to expect the player who's picked at fourth to immediately join the roster? Because Detroit hasn't really had a player who immediately breaks into the roster. In a very, very long time. I mean, even the face of our franchise, Dylan Larkin, did not immediately come to the NHL. Nope. Um, it depends Typically. on who we get. If we get, if we get Tim Stutzel, I think he could. I think Cider might make the team this year, and putting him with Stutzel, the two German kids together, I think that would be good if we can somehow swing him. Typically, the like the top three are the ones who. Crack uh, the NHL after That's even sometimes at that. Yeah, but like usually after three, you don't see a guy crack the NHL until the next year, or maybe even two years. A lot of people didn't expect Doc to stay this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like look at Detroit's prospects pool, and I don't think at forward we're going to have very many like pieces moving. You've got basically. All your moves happening on the defensive end of the of the roster. I mean, Daly gone, Erickson gone, Mike Green gone. So Sider's probably going to come up and grab one of those spots permanently. Gustav Lindstrom is probably going to grab one of those spots permanently until they can find somebody to fill in. And then they're going to, I would assume, sign a, a defenseman from free agency that fills up your six defensive slots. But at forward, I'm not even really sure where whoever we draft could fit at this point. Just, I don't think there's any room to put someone right now. The Mantle Arkham Bertuzzi's aren't going anywhere. Zadina and Phil Pula aren't going anywhere. Robbie Faber's not going anywhere. Luke Glendening's not going anywhere. Like, the spots at forward are just so limited right now for a prospect to even make it onto the Red Wings. Then Valeno coming up, and that takes another spot. Yeah, like... And do you see a guy like uh, Rasmussen uh, making the jump? And I was just thinking Valeno, but also... I could see Rasmussen doing it. I think he's due to start really making an impact. I want to see him on the fourth line this year and see what he handles with fourth line minutes, because as unfair as it was, he got thrown into the NHL before he was ready, if we're just being realistic. I mean, he... He was forced to the NHL because of contract limitations outside of his control. So now that he's had time to play the AHL, I want to see if he's ready for it. And yep. do you still have a uh, do you still have a Svechnikov over there? Getting we do. There we he do. is. What's his story? He's this is make or break for him. Mm-hmm. 
This is, yeah, this is probably his year. If it, if he doesn't perform, he gone. Yeah, and maybe we trade him to Carolina. I don't know. That could be kind of fun. Like that. Get the brothers. Because Svechnikov, unfortunately, well, sorry, Evgeny Svechnikov, unfortunately, he lost a year, basically, development time because he had, a, I believe it was an ACL injury. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, so, I mean, and he was one of, like, our higher-end prospects in the system at the time when he went down, so he really got screwed by that injury, not even just development time-wise, but just product and prospect accumulation time. Just that whole year let so many other players catch up to him. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm looking around. I'm not seeing anything else for us to discuss. Does anybody else have anything they want us to discuss before we close uh, out tonight? Yeah, the Buffalo Sabres Black Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> oof, oof. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I want to wear this one because I had the Sabres as one of my dark horse teams to make the playoffs this year. And uh, let's just say, wow, that uh, if you want to talk about a fire sale or – just a complete cut, complete transparent, clean cut, burn the bridge. The Sabres did that this week, or last week. I mean, what else do you do? Uh, they have no direction, no image, no identity. We've we've heard about that it's not a fun place to play. O'Reilly was, like, dying over there. Uh, Eichel is miserable. Nobody's happy or developing. Uh, like... This isn't good. Something has to change about the culture and the identity and the management. So, for those who don't know what's going on, Sabres last Tuesday cleaned house. And by clean house, I mean they fired 22 of their staff members. That includes their general manager, two of their assistant general managers, their director of amateur scouting, assistant director of amateur scouting, 10 amateur scouts, one pro scout, player development coach, player development coach, uh, rehab and development, and then their whole AHL coaching staff. That is as much as you could clean house as it could get. I mean, they already fired their – I think they fired their coach earlier in the season, correct? Freaking nuts. So they scouting staff was at 21 during the season, and it's now been reduced to seven. And you mentioned it earlier, Tim, Jack Eichel might finally be free after all this goes down. The uh, the toilet paper roll aisle at the uh, at the mega stores during COVID that and the Buffalo Sabres management are the exact same picture. Nobody empty. It's it. I mean, it's sad for the, all those that lost their jobs, but like a team that has had promise. Like the Sabres were a promising team. Like they, it seems like nothing added up. Casey Middlestat never amounted to what he was supposed to. Or I mean, he had a bad year this year. Uh, Sam Reinhardt, who was supposed to be his promised prospect, mounted to... The line and got horribly misused. If they just want to send us Darlene Rasmussen, I'm fine with that. Rasmus Darlene, I'm perfectly fine with that. We need our new Lidstrom Jr. Just, yeah, I mean, it, it, these moves make sense just because uh, Sabres never got around to doing anything. We were never, I really... Go ahead. Just never... like. The roster they constructed looks on paper. It looked like a, this should be a playoff team, but it just never added up. Liked the I, I liked the addition of like Wayne Simmons. I I love him as a player, uh, and I think that he's one of those like really good complementary pieces that gets a team over the hump into the playoffs. And man, that's that's rough because he's he's 
getting up in years and I just don't know how many more years he's going to have to chase a cup. And I really want him to get back there. So I was pulling for Buffalo. Guys like Michael Froelich over there, Jeff yeah. Skinner. Yeah. They're not never, getting younger. Yeah, it never worked out. And yeah, you get to clean house, 22, gone in Buffalo. And uh, you're going to look for a full-on rebuild there. And that might include trading star forward Jack Eichel. Uh, but here's the thing, though, right? Like, Buffalo has already been in constant rebuild mode. They never left the rebuild. In order to rebuild, you have to have built something first, and they didn't. And here's a counter that, though. I don't. I think they physically thought they were done rebuilding. It's just they were never good. Like they thought they were done. Jack Eichel was that supposed to be one of those final pieces? Never happened. They built the house, but it was a bad house. And. Like, do you guys think that it's just strictly management in Buffalo ruining it? Do you think it's just the culture in Buffalo? Because both. Yes. <laughs> obviously, I think it's a miscuse of both. But, I mean, there's got to be something there that is making this situation so bad. Because we've seen a lot of other teams in the NHL be bad, but not for this long and not be this bad for this long. Oh, yeah, I think uh, it's both. I think Tim or both of you guys, a couple of you guys said it earlier. Ryan O'Reilly just absolutely hated it there. It was the best thing to happen in his career to get out of there. Yeah, obviously, with the Stanley Cup and a consummate to his name now, but right, you, you have guys like Michael. Uh, I mean, Darlene, he's kind of screwed because he's, he's still on his rookie deal. So, yeah, it's uh, – they might just it might be completely tear it down, go from cut the roster too, because they I mean after firings like that, what else can you do? You might as well just clear it out and just bring in new GMs guys. Could you imagine if Rasmus Dahlin tells management at Buffalo I'm not signing a new contract with you? <laughs> I absolutely can imagine that. You know, especially you look at Buffalo and they got their franchise center and their fran their future franchise defensemen. Those are the pieces that you tear down and rebuild and draft for. Like they've got them. What are they going to do? Punt and hope to get another franchise center and franchise defenseman? That's what doesn't make sense to me. I I have to hope that whoever they put in and fill out this time they have to have a clear image of what they want and they have to have a clear voice of, you know, what whether it's accountability or whether it's the vision and the mission of the team. They need something because they, they back to the drawing board isn't an option for them. Before coronavirus and the league shut down, uh, a name we talked about before uh, in like one of our final episodes before the league shut down was Ray Shero. And this, because he was fired from New Jersey, and this seems like it's a team that this hmm. has Ray Shero all over it. I mean, yeah. you got a frustrated star. Ray Shero goes in there. He's has a great reputation. I know the Sabres didn't go well, but with the teams at Pittsburgh, that's a guy you might want to bring in there and keep Jack Eichel happy and uh, just say, hey, I got this. Just give me some time. I don't hate, about, yeah. None of the players who are in Buffalo, I mean, they don't have a reason to stay at this point. Like, there's nothing there for them. Nope. Yeah, the guys that brought them in are gone. It's just, uh, it's an ugly situation in Buffalo. I, 
I feel bad for Buffalo fans. Honestly, I like a lot of the players in Buffalo. I I have nothing against Buffalo. I feel bad for people that watch it and like, yeah, that's my team. We've been on Eichel watch for the past couple of weeks. I mean, might be the final uh, domino. It could be. Yeah. Depending on who gets the first overall pick, I mean, could you imagine if Buffalo sends Eichel and Darling to whoever gets the first overall pick this year? And says that we're gonna, or they just this player down and say you will be the rebuilding block for our franchise. Uh, I think uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what Buffalo could do going from here. Because there's gonna be teams that want a low ball. Oh, there's yeah. teams that low ball because I everybody knows Michael wants out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not you're not getting your main value for Eichel. This all goes back. I mean, imagine if. Buffalo, who was slotted to be have that number one overall pick that year, ended up with that number one overall pick being Connor McDavid. A lot could have changed. I mean, no offense to Eichel, he's a great player, but... Well, here's the thing. What could change? You might be seeing McDavid's career wasted, and the only difference is McDavid is a little more... Not robotic isn't the right word because he does have a lot of personality, but he's much more like soft-spoken, respect like... Hey, I'm here to do this. Let's do it. We're focused. You know, and yes, we're not happy. You know, the the, the stock answers. Uh, but we might see him just stalling in place, spinning his tires uh, without Dreisaitl and without, you know, Yamamoto and a couple of the guys that dry, help him drive the team. It, we see the same thing. And maybe Jack Eichel is thriving with the the combination and the you know supplementary scoring that Edmonton has now. Yeah, for sure. Either way, it's an ugly situation in Buffalo for sure, and something's going to have to give here sooner rather than later. If nobody right. has anything else to talk about tonight, um, this is a little bit of a lengthier episode just because the draft lottery is quite a bit to touch on. And also, I mean, I feel like the stuff that we did talk about warranted having a lengthier discussion that we normally have. Um, but with that being said, I think we'll go ahead and close out tonight's episode of the podcast. For anybody who is still listening and giving us their time, we appreciate you guys tuning in to hear us talk. At the end of the day, this is a podcast that is by fans and for fans. There's no corporate sponsorships or anything like that going on, so we don't have to, you know, tow a certain public line. We can say what we want, which is awesome. And really, this podcast is for you guys, and we just have fun doing it. Um, if you liked what you heard tonight, feel free to give us a like, a follow, a share, whatever the social media currency is on the platform that you listen to us through. Um, if you listen to us on SoundCloud, you can give us a follow or like the episode. And on iTunes, you can also follow us on iTunes. If you want the SoundCloud link, the SoundCloud link is soundcloud.com slash stickbladepodcast. And on iTunes, you just type stickbladepodcast in the search bar and it should pop us up. Um if you want to follow us on social media sites, we have a couple of those. Uh, Twitter, you can follow us at StickBladePod. Again, at StickBladePod. There's no cast at the end of it, just to be clear. Unfortunately, Twitter has like this weird character limit on your username. So it's all one word, no underscores or anything like that. And then if you want to find us on Facebook, we're also on Facebook. Uh, again, just type in StickBlade Podcast. We should show up. And... We really are looking to get fan engagement with you guys. We haven't had any fan mail in a long time, so 
if you ever want us to discuss something on the episode or have like a discussion topic or a question you want us to answer or even just feedback from the show like we always want to hear it because i mean at the end of the day we want to make this podcast better for you guys this is something that we all enjoy talking but it's really for you guys to enjoy so with all that being said for your host tonight, Jordan Linscott, and my co-hosts, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stompanato, this has been another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. Kiss off, Gary Bettman. <laughs>